God, thank you so much, truly, for today. Thank you for the chance to take a breath. God, we can get so caught up in what we don't have and where we're not at, man, that we take that for granted. Lord, I pray um, that, I don't know, you would just meet people today. Uh, Be near to the brokenhearted. uh, Soften the hard-hearted, Lord. Just move and be the Savior that you are um, to people. Uh, Redeem our lives. Redeem the messes that we've made. Open eyes, open ears. Uh, God, protect us. um, Guide us. Lord, we give you glory. I pray for, um, I don't know, that you would help me to preach your word and to preach it well. And that I wouldn't get in the way. uh, And that we can just really grasp, uh, man, the truth of who you are and your word. And let that... uh, Make us live life for real. We thank you in advance, Lord. We give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. How you guys doing today? <laughs> well, hey, if you're here, uh, you are the, I don't remember, there's an old poem that says that, like, you're the blessed few or something. People that said, you know what, after the big baptism, long day service, we could take a nap. We could, we could take a break. And you said, no, nah, I'm coming. So that way, just go ahead and make fun of all the people that didn't do that, guys. Feel free to do that. That's from your pastor. So uh, if it is your first time, your first time in a while, we are in the middle of a series that I did not give them the names. So about. You can just put, put, it, put up the, uh, find that picture. Just find it. He's going to get on it. Anyway, it's called uh, Culture Wars. And the idea behind it is, guys, listen, and, and we're going to talk about this, not today in depth, but you need to hear this. And for some reason, because I don't make this a focus, it, it, it's almost like you think I don't believe this, or it becomes, um, I don't know, it, it, it's something we kind of forget. We are in a world at war. The spiritual realm is real. Demons are real. They have been active from the beginning of time, right, from the beginning to try. They can't get to the sun. They can't get to the king, so they're going to try to affect and take with them as many of the sons, of the king's sons and daughters as they can. That's a fact. And they do that by lies, by making us doubt God, uh, by making us, by tempting us. And what ends up happening in this world is that we, you know, the Bible describes the world in kind of two terms. This is, there is a prince of this world. Right? The enemy is real. Satan is real. This is the domain of darkness. All you have to do is look around. That's what Scripture calls it. It's a dark place. And you've been in the dark so long, you don't even know it's dark. We've been in the dark so long, we don't even know it's dark. And then what's cool is Colossians tells us that if you've put your faith in Christ, you have been transferred from that domain into the kingdom of light. So even though you're here, that darkness has nothing on you. But Though it can't take your light, it can try to make you cover your light. It can try to make you close your eyes. It can try to make you close your ears. It can try to make you distracted. Because that's the goal. And I'm going to tell you this. When you say culture worlds, the temptation is to think, okay, well, it's just that battle between that domain of darkness and the, and the kingdom of light, right? By the way, it's not equal. God wins. It's not that picture. I think of it all the time of God and the devil's arm wrestling, right? That's not the way it is. God wins. There, it is not God and the enemy. It is God and creation, and that includes the enemy. And there will come a time when he finishes all this, and he cleans it all up. And by that time, 
our choice today, your choice right now you make as you breathe to follow the king or to follow the usurper, to follow the traitor, right, is going to be made permanent. That's a fact. Because the truth is in that moment, every knee will bow. You won't be able to help it. You'll recognize who God is. But it's not just that. See, the problem is the culture has affected the world. I mean, affected the church. That domain of darkness has infiltrated. It can't take the church down, right? Jesus said himself, even, you know, the, the armies of hell couldn't take down the church. Won't prevail against the church. God's church will exist from the time that Christ left until he comes back. The church will exist. The church is the body of Christ. It can't overcome it. But what it can do is fill it with lies, fill it with false teachings, fill it with even take real believers and deceive them and, and try to lead them astray. And what if it can say, well, I can't, I can't destroy the body, but what if I made the institution of the body not look any different from the domain. So there's no distinction. And in fact, what if I go a step further, and what if I make it seem like that to actually follow the king, right, isn't Christianity? That's what we're talking about today. And, and the subtitle, which will be later, it's entirely my fault, up in the corner, in case you want to look this up later, is Glory, and we'll talk about that. But now... For happier things. I bet I make people smile in the room that are already angry. By the way, some of you, I'm going to tell you something right now. You want to know why there's, how you know there's a war? I'm going to tell you this right now. Some of you in the room right now are distracted and you don't know why. You're angry and you don't know why. You want to punch me in the face and you don't know why. I have a punchable face. I'm not going to say I don't. But your desire to punch me in the face when you don't know me, where's that come from? There is a voice right now telling you to leave, distracting you, trying to get you to walk away. That voice is a liar. You need to fight, and you need to stay And that little small voice that says, something's here. Stay, right? If it's just today, I'm not talking about the future. I'm not conning you to come back. I'm saying God brought you here today for a reason. Be here. <clears throat> but on to happier things for a moment. Who here loves dogs? See, I already got the grumpy people to smile. That makes me so happy, for real. Some of you are like, hmm, dogs, right? Raise your hand if you like dogs. Raise your hand if you hate dogs. You monster, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, if you like dogs, right? <clears throat> dogs are awesome. Anyone here like big dogs? You know, the kind you can wrestle and throw around, that's good. Anyone here uh, have a big dog? Okay. Anyone here wish they had a big dog? Anyone here like raising their hand? I knew it. All right. <laughs> I wonder what I could have got you to say. Who wants to give me their money? Anyway, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, my favorite dog, I like big dogs too. I like all dogs in general. But the reason, well, Todd, why don't you have a dog? I have a dog in the house, but it's not my dog really. Why don't I have a dog? I'll tell you why. Because I had the greatest dog in the world. Okay, now everyone around that knows me, right, you're probably thinking they're sucking up by going, yeah, he did. But that's just because you didn't meet my. I know you think your dog's great. I had the greatest dog that's ever lived, okay? He's a German shepherd. I got him at eight weeks old. He was black. I didn't want a black one. I wanted a normal colored one. But I went, and I, when I walk into this place, there's a bunch of puppies, tons of them. And they're all rushing me. And I'd actually, I had a lot of research before I, I got my dog. Long story, I ended up getting 
I got a half German shepherd, half coyote, true story. And ended up taking that guy back because he was crazy. Like, like legitimately broken in his head. He, <clears throat> uh, Amish guy had him. Anyway, uh, completely nothing to do with it. Just thought you might be interested. So this German shepherd, I go in, and I realized that the German shepherd you want to pick, believe it or not, you don't want to pick the ones that are chewing your foot off. You all think, oh, he loves me. No, that one's wild. He's got a lot of energy. Unless you're in a place to have that, you don't want that one. You don't want the one that's like, horrified and won't come near you either. You don't want that one because that one's skittish and scared, right? That's just what I learned. <clears throat> so I'm kind of looking around, and they mob me, right? And they're running around. I'm in this barn, this little guy, and I hear this sound that's like this. Right? That's exactly what it was. And I look over, and in the corner is the fattest little black puppy in the world. And it's not necessarily scared. He just didn't want to move. Okay, and he's bigger than all the rest of them, which is odd because typically the bigger ones are the more aggressive one. He somehow found mama's milk even though he wasn't, he wasn't mean. I don't know how he did it. Probably because he never left. He just sat there. <laughs> so I got him. I brought him home. And on the way home, he did this all the time. He would literally, he, I, I can still remember this clear as day, eight weeks old. He's in my chest. He's going, mm, mm, mm. He did that the whole time. It's not growling. It was like, I can't even do it. That was what it was. Mm, <laughs> like Scooby, I guess. Anyway. I named him, I'm going to tell you the name, and you're going to go, what, that's a weird name. I didn't name him, you know, Buddy. His name was Modi. What's Modi? I used to be into mythology. I'm lying, I still am. Thor's son, right? Had two sons, Magni and Modi. I named him Modi. You don't care, that's fine. <clears throat> you want to see him? You guys got, I'll show you when he grew up. There he is. That's my, that's my boy. Actually, going to make me tear up. Dang it, I didn't even think that was going to happen. So that is clearly not him at eight weeks. <laughs> That's 10 weeks. I'm just kidding. So there he is. He was huge. He got up to 128 pounds. Big German shepherd. Kind of scary looking, right, if you didn't know him. But can't you just look at his face and tell he's friendly? Look at him. That guy doesn't want to kill you. Here's the next one. He was around when we started this church. That's actually us in my old apartment. We didn't have a church building. So we would have service at night, and then we would have Bible study in the morning. And this was in our apartment. And here he is, like, saying, oh, my goodness, right? And I don't know why that weird bald spot's in my head, but that's, uh, he's, he's there at the beginning. Um, and Modi was, uh, he was a big lap dog, if you knew him, right? Anyone, raise your hand if you, you met him, right? Yeah, there's people still around. He would come in, um, and he, he loved everyone except for two people. I don't have time to tell that. But he came in and, like, laid, he would lay his hand, head, right? Most of you that met him, did he come and ever lay his head on you? Raise your hand. Yeah, all the same people. That's what he did. He's a huge lap dog. He would literally, 128 pounds, crawl on your lap, right? And it's funny, man. It's one of those things you take for granted. It's cute. And then I used to be like, dude, get off me. You know, I'm tired. You're 128 pounds. <clears throat> he loved to be cuddled. He loved to be loved on. He made sounds like that. that mm, he did that his entire life. Right? <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to cut to the end of the story. I had to put him down. He lived to be 12 years old, though. I had him from eight weeks to 12. And... Uh, Hardest, one of the hardest things I've ever done. But even at the end, I mean, he just, he would never stop being a big puppy. The truth is, though, even though he was happy constantly, he lived with me. <clears throat> Yo, bro, you were talking about dogs? Are you, <laughs> this guy's in the front here. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm a squirrel, man. I'm going to hear everything you say. So it made sounds like a big puppy. The truth is, he wasn't actually happiest when he was acting like a lap dog, though. Even though it seemed like, because everybody's like, he was super happy. He was, but that wasn't when he was happiest. He was happiest when he was outside chasing, playing, but he was even most happy when he was working. 
right? And for him, he wasn't a police dog, weird story. He was going to be. It was a race between me and this cop, and I got there to get him because I was undecisive. Uh, anyway, I came back and got him. So he was going to be a, a police dog, but he loved to work, and he, his working was fetching. He was, he was awesome at it. You catch anything, bring anything back. Sometimes we'd bring stuff you didn't even throw, right? Like sticks. And one time he brought me a kitten whose mom, yeah, he didn't eat it. What kind of cool dog is that? He brought a little kitten from the winter when I lived in the country, and he just dropped it. And he's like, hey, man, here, you got to do something about this, right? <laughs> uh, he loved to work. He loved to play fetch. Why was that? And it genuinely, if you knew him, that was when he was happiest. Why? Because he was born and bred to do that. He was born and bred to work. He was a working breed. That's what German shepherds are called. They're made to work. Now, work looks different, right? Shepherd. Believe it or not, they use them to shepherd things. We don't think of that now. But they have high energy. They're big. And when he didn't do that, when all the energy he was born with was not directed to what he was born to do, he would get antsy. He'd get bored. He was not aggressive. But he could get a little destructive every now and then. right? And then you ever have a dog that he was so smart, he immediately would be like, I could tell when I came home his reaction on whether it had been a good day or a bad day. He'd either come and be happy or he'd go, right, and crawl in the corner. <clears throat> now, I, here's, so that's one. He was happiest when he was working. Now, here's the crazy thing. What's weird about it is my love for him didn't change when he was, whether he was working or whether he was chilling. I loved that dog regardless. And there was cool parts about both. I loved him when he just existed, when he played, when he jumped, when he got excited, when he fetched. And when he protected, and I, I would love to tell the whole story, but this is true. I had a guy, we first, the first year we had this building, we've been here about a month, met this kind of, no offense, crazy guy, criminal guy. He, he found my address, broke into my house in the middle of the night. This is a true story. He, the, by the cops on a mission, he was not there to do good. Okay, he had weapon, and my dog, the nicest dog in the world, I woke up to him attacking him. He had never attacked anyone and drove that guy out of, out of my house, which was cool too, right? he was made to do that. Now, I could have raised him like a chihuahua, right? And in some ways, he probably kind of was, right? He lived and got to, But at the end of the day, when the heat got going, he was what he was. I loved him and I was proud of him regardless. I want to tell you something. We live in times when anxiety, depression, overall discontent are, I had a, a, a graph, or I had an all-time high. And I know you do, and even you kids, right? Like you, want, you know why you're bored all the time? Because you're looking for a purpose, right? And you think that girl's got it, and you think that guy's got it, and you think that's what's going to make you happy, right? <clears throat> so whether you're young, and by the way, you ain't the only ones who do it. The old people do it too. <clears throat> so we've got this anxiety and depression. I cannot believe how many people I hear, like even me when I was growing up, you know, when I was in high school a couple years ago, uh, people didn't tell why you laugh, Greg. Anyway, a couple people did not talk about, at least for me, anxiety. Like I, didn't, I didn't even know what that word meant. I mean, I, clearly I felt it, but I didn't know what anxiety meant. <clears throat> but I constantly, but now that's all we hear about. We hear it. I mean, you got 10-year-olds going, how are you doing today? I'm very anxious. And so what happens is it's almost idolized, right? Because, well, it's just something we all have naturally. And then here's the cool part, though, right? Good news. The world is going to tell us how to fix it. The world's going to tell you how to be happy. And everybody in the room that's a Christian or goes to church is going to go, I'm not going to believe them. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do, right? Whether it's social media, whether it's books, whether it's 
Oprah or Dr. Phil, somebody's going to tell you how to do it. And maybe if you take this supplement and maybe if you drink this drink and maybe if you, you know, get this right amount of sleep, all these things, it'll all go away. And all those things in and of themselves aren't necessarily bad. And I'm not minimizing these struggles. Listen, I struggle with it at times. I'm kind of Eeyore-ish, all right? Christians, you're not immune to this. You're not immune to being sad or hopeless or, you know, even well-intentioned Christians are down or like, and there's depression, but there's also that feeling, right, of just, this is it. And we, what we look for is we look for these momentary highs, these things that are going to make us feel better in the short term. That term, fan, that's hot up here. <clears throat> Success, money, and even your religion, because, right, you're Christian, you say, so if I read my Bible more, and if I do this more, and if I give more, you know, maybe I'll feel better. But in and of itself, none of those things cure it. And by the way, even in the church, I have seen in our church so many young people. You know, I've had a lot of people. I like a lot of young, successful people, successful Christians will come here. They don't have a church home, and they get all excited. And they're like, man, this, I'm, I'm going to hop on this train where it's going somewhere, which is true. That's smart because it is. But they get all excited, but then they realize that all the things that they thought was going to bring them status even here, like the culture, we don't really care. <laughs> we, we don't. And so what ends up happening, like, well, hey, I put all my eggs in this basket. You're supposed to give me, like, I'm, I'm important. I even had a guy one time, like, if I don't come and talk to you, I want to. But, like, listen, maybe you don't want to talk to me. I'm not the guy standing by the door shaking your hand. It doesn't mean I don't want to, right? I'm here. I love to chat, but I know what it's like to be like, dude, I don't want that pastor to come bother me, right? So I, I had this guy one time go, hey, you know, been waiting for you to come say hi, big fancy guy. And I'm going, bro, you ain't any more important than this person. I didn't say that because he would have been really offended. But the point is, even in the church, we think, well, the person that's got the nice car and the money and they got the wife and three and a half kids and a husband and all these things, well, they're the good Christians. And they are never, right? And they do always seem to be happy. <clears throat> even those that don't necessarily struggle with depression or mental issues still carry the weight of one simple question. Is this it? So we tell ourselves, hey, maybe the answer is more money, right? Some of you all, oh, that's you. If I get enough money, then I won't worry. And if I'm not worried, I'll be happy. A lot of famous rich people kill themselves on a lot of drugs. Well, maybe if I get more status, maybe if I get the promotion, maybe I do more church, maybe more clout. You know what clout is? Old word, young people hijacked it, and they think the only ones who know what it means, right? right? Essentially, they think it just means it's cool, you're cool. No, influence, power. Young people, you like that clout? You want your clout? Yeah, you know. Raywin, come on, that's cool. That's where it is. Anyway, more clout, more likes, more followers. Maybe I'll go viral, then I'll feel better. Maybe warm, welcoming bodies, maybe more bottles, maybe more pills, maybe more prescriptions, maybe more work. And the truth is, we have a lot to learn from German shepherds. We need to realize a couple things. Hear me. I know, you're ready to go home already. Me too, but hear me. We need to realize a couple things. We were created for a purpose. You have a purpose. Your purpose isn't to get more Instagram likes. 
Your purpose isn't to sleep with the most people. Your purpose isn't to have the biggest bank account. That's not your purpose. That might be a means through your purpose, but it's not your purpose. And number two, meaning. Meaning, the answer to the question, is this it? Meaning comes from your purpose. And here's a bonus. Well, bonus number three, it's not as complicated as our religion or the world makes it. It's not. It is not as complicated as religion or the world makes it, but it's hard to believe and it's hard to hold on to. What's it? The answer to the question, is this it? Now, even before I go, even if you, do, if you, if you pursue these things, you're going to have moments, right? I call it Echoes of Eden. That's trademarked. Right? It's not. But the point is, right, it's that feeling of like, man, even in the best moments, it could be better. It's not necessarily you're missing something. It's not necessarily like this is bad, right? But that feeling of like, it could be even better. And Paul talks about that. Paul says kind of we're in the shadow lands and everything beautiful is just the shadow of the real, right? He says we see right now in a mirror, in a cloudy mirror, like we can tell and it looks good, even the best things. But what God has intended for us when he fixes everything is even better. So, yeah. There's some things that it's not going to be fully content until we get home, until God comes back and fixes this. But that's not a cop-out. That's not saying, okay, be miserable. Life is meant to be more than what you're living. The world wants, us, wants to make us believe that our purpose is found. Listen to me, friends, please. The world, the culture wants us to believe that our purpose is found in the pursuit of of happiness. If we're happy, we'll be content. Happiness is not bad. Happiness is an emotion we're given, but happiness is transient. That's a big word. See, I'm not going to talk to you like third graders like they tell me to, right? Happiness, happiness is fleeting, right? It go, it's up and down like a, like a roller coaster, and that's why God promises something better. He says, I'm not going to give you happiness, Right? Because in this world, sometimes you're not going to be happy. I'm going to give you joy. Todd, you're just saying Christianese. No, if it is, I don't want to believe it. Joy is like happiness on steroids. It's the concept of being able to have contentment above circumstance. People think that... This is not in my notes. I get... I just told Tim earlier, right before we were writing the worship started, and Austin, I said, sometimes I wish people knew that when I seem angry, I'm actually just really passionate and I have zero anger. Okay? Why am I saying this? Because, like, it can seem like if you're a person, I say you're a member here, and I see you, you don't come to church, and, I, and I'm like, what are you doing? I don't care about that, or you're not living it out. It's, it's not anger. It's like, are you crazy? Why? You can't half do this. It's like saying you're thirsty and here's water and you go, nah, I want to go over here in the desert. You should care about this because this is life. And so that's why people say, I've heard it all the time, uh, we got a real talk, well, it seems like you hate Christians, you don't like no Christians, that's obvious. Sure I do. But the problem with this, Christians live in delusion sometimes. They believe something they don't live and I'm not talking about whether they're saved or not. There's a, that's, they're not Christians. P.S. There isn't an answer. I like the way C.S. Lewis says it. To say someone's a Christian who's not necessarily living it, right? That, that there's not, you're not judged on Christianity by whether or not you're a good Christian or bad Christian. You're judged based on whether you know Christ, but there are good Christians and bad Christians. And what I mean by that is 
Are you actually following? So the reason it seems like I like non-believers more is most of the time, and I'm not talking about the, the, the I was going to say butthead, I already did it, right? The buttheads, I shouldn't have. That's I'm talking about the people that are just real, and they're like, I'm, see- I'm searching, searching, man, I'm searching, I'm seeking, I'm looking, I am looking. They're real. At least they're saying, hey, I see this and I'm interested, but I'm scared to make that commitment. A lot of Christians say, I'm making a commitment, but you don't. It's okay even to say, I don't want to give this up. I don't want to pursue this. It's hard. But you justify it, don't you? You say why it's okay in your case. And he doesn't give that option. The world wants us to believe that our purpose is found in the pursuit of happiness. Almost done, Josh. I told you 15 minutes. If this is really short, it's Josh's fault. This is a lie. I see you sitting in the back, too. Hey, don't let him fall asleep, Maria. It's not... The key, the key to, to purpose is not happiness. But yet the opposite is true too. I'm not saying that the key to, to is this it is also just bore, stale, drying religion where all you think about is what you do in this church building. That's not true either. I'm not a Catholic, but I say his name, right? There's a guy named St. I'm going to say it wrong, St. Irenaeus. He was an early uh, theologian in the church, okay? And he, there was a... A heresy, believe it or not, a heresy early in the church. Heresy means, you guys know, it was like, this is not true. This is against, you are twisting God's word. And there was a heresy in the early church called Gnosticism that partially believed that anything that was of the flesh in this world was evil. And they called that heresy. Isn't that interesting? But don't we kind of do that today? Anything that's like in this world is all evil and we're supposed to just wait till we die? But he said that isn't true. And in response to that, he had this long quote. You got it? Pull this up. But the, short, the long and short of it, he, he said, let this sink in. The glory of God is man fully alive. And believe it or not, he wasn't just talking in theological salvation terms. He's saying the glory of God is when you as a human being are living life, all of this gift to the fullest. Because remember, in the beginning, God made them in his image. Male and female, he created them to be his image bearers. He didn't say, I made you to sit in anxiety and worry and false religion and trying to you know, be, per, be this thing that you can never achieve and never to enjoy life and to never enjoy creation and to never enjoy relationship. He didn't say that. The glory of God is man fully alive. That stuck with me for 15 years when I read, you know, I was middle school. When I, read a, when I read a book called Wild at Heart, and, and he quoted this guy, and then I looked more into it. The glory of God is man fully alive. Are you fully alive? If you're not, it's not God's fault. Here's a secret. It's not even the people around you's fault. And this is what people don't like to hear, and this is where I lose you, because you've been trained to blame everyone but you. The fault lies in what you've been made to believe and what you live out of. So how is man fully alive? I'm actually going to go kind of the opposite. I'm going to make you a little more depressed for a minute. Anyone ever read Ecclesiastes? When I was a first believer, I read this book and I was like, this, first of all, I 100% relate to this guy, so maybe I'm not wrong. But secondly, this is depressing. Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon. Solomon was probably the wealthiest and wisest king that's ever lived. Unrelated, 
If you like to study for a long time, people said Solomon didn't exist. Now archaeological finds have said, oh, he did exist. Weird. And he was filthy rich. <clears throat> so we're going to start here. And this is towards the end of his life. He's had everything. The wisest. God gave him wisdom. And at one point said, you were going to be the wisest person. He was known as a People would come from all over the world to, to get answers to his wisdom. He had tons of women. Todd, that doesn't sound right. I know. Even he was flawed and sinful. He had money, he had status, he had power. And what does it say here, starting, right, in verse 1? Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. You got it? Perfect. I'm reading from the CSB. He says, the words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Well, he tells you who he is right now. I'm the teacher. He's known as that. I don't think it's arrogant. That's just who he was. I'm the guy people come to. He says, absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility. Everything is futile. Some definite, some Man, I can't speak today. Versions will say, uh, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does a person gain for all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? You ever felt that way? Why do I work? What am I, like nothing I do matters. A generation goes and a generation comes. Tell me if this doesn't relate to you. Right, if you don't relate to this, but the earth remains forever. People come, people go, nothing changes. The sun rises, the sun sets, panting, it hurries back to the place where it rises just day after day, gusting to the north, turning, I'm sorry, gusting to the south, turning to the north, being turning, turning goes the wind, and the wind returns, and it cycles. The feeling goes, this happens regardless of me, and it's going to happen after me. All the streams flow to the sea, yet the sea is never full to the place where the streams flow. There they flow again. It just goes and comes. You get it? Cyclical. Blah, blah, blah. Can't you hear it? All things are wearisome, they're tiring, more than anyone can say. The eye is not satisfied by seeing, or the ear filled with fear. And you ever feel exhausted? See, some people in this room, I know you so well, and it's one of those times I want to say your name, I'm not going to. But if you think I'm talking to you, I am. You tired all the time? You think that's what God wants for you? But you're being a dutiful husband, you're being a good wife and mother, why aren't you feeling it? That's what a good Christian mother, husband, man, woman does, right? Stay with me. The eye is not satisfied to be seen or ear filled with hearing. It doesn't matter what I do. This feeling doesn't go away. What has been is what will be. I'm not making a difference. And what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Can one say about anything, look, this is new? Is there anything? There's nothing. Solomon had everything any human could want. He had money, women, power, clout. Hey, young folks, let me talk to your language. He had four billion Instagram followers. Made that up. But he had a lot. They're all like, I don't think that. Yeah, you do. You wish you had a, you wish you had a million. You, you wish you'd go viral? Let's see if you'd be honest. Who wishes that they'd have something go viral on Instagram? On, uh, only the adults. You all fibbing. You're fibbing. Oh, you raised your hand? All right, nice. You did it. All right. <laughs> The only one. That raised your hand. I was happy. Norman did. Hey, at least you're being honest. Power, clout, status. But here's the thing. And what we hear. Does he sound any different than you? He doesn't sound different than me. I feel the same way. I went to sleep at 18 and I woke up at 25. <laughs> Why everybody laughs at that? Right? But you know what I mean. Some of you, right? It feels like you went to kids. That, they, you're not going to believe it. I didn't believe it. I was thinking about this morning in the shower. How am I not in high school anymore? 
It wasn't enough to satisfy him. The world and our modern culture tells us, listen, that if we accumulate enough stuff, and you see, some of you are already checking out because you're like, I've heard a million sermons about this. No, you haven't. I bet you haven't. Stay with me. And even if you did, there's nothing new under the sun, so that's okay. The world, our modern culture tells us that if we accumulate enough stuff, if we get the right stuff, if you get the right person, if you get the right job, if you get the right house, if you get the right wife, you get the the right uh, husband. Some of you are so stinking mopey and depressed because you don't have a girlfriend. You hate God because you don't have a girlfriend or wife. Let that sink in. And that doesn't mean that pain's not real. But you've let that become your entire life. Some of you say, if I didn't have bills. I've heard some of you say, if I had no bills, I'd be happy. That's a lie. It will give us life. Man, if we just get more the right stuff, we'll have the life that we love. If, we get a, if, I, if I go viral, it'll give us peace and meaning and purpose. Here's the thing. How's that working out for the world? How's that working out for the world? If it's working out well, why are they constantly trying to tell us how to be happier? How are they constantly trying to tell us how to fix ourselves? Right? If it's money, if it's power, if it's bodies, why aren't we happy? Why aren't you If it's your job, some of you all get all mad because you want to come here and you want me to tell you there's a way for you to have the life you want that's you just doing what you want. That's not purpose. How's that working for the world? Listen, Jesus says the same thing. He does. Jesus says the same thing partially that that Solomon says here in Matthew chapter 16, right? You got it? There we go. We know this section. It's about where he talks about worry. Hey, worrying, and don't worry about where your money and all this is. By the way, you all read that, and you go, that sounds cute, Jesus. Not realistic, but cute. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Listen to this and pretend for a second that it's real and not just philosophy. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. I've already lost some of you. Some of you, most of you, Christians, I've heard this a million times. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about more than that. This is more than salvation talk. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. What are you trying to do with all that money? What are you trying to do with that status? What are you trying to do with the, the attention you want? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to do with the work? Who are you want to sacrifice to make yourself feel better? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life because of me will find it. What will it benefit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? The implication being you could gain everything you want and still not find it. Or what will a man give in exchange for his life? Now we go back to, right? Hey, I'll give you your wife, husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, and you die tomorrow. Deal? I'll pay your bills today and you die tomorrow. Good deal? Of 
course not. But that's how we live. Me too. Right? Your girlfriend, right? If she's happy, you're happy, right? Jesus goes on in John 10, 10, one of my favorite verses. And he gives this analogy of, of hey, we're sheep in a pen. And he says, there's people that are going to try to come over the gate to the sheep. And some of the sheep are going to listen, right? And they're thieves, though. And listen to what he says here. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But listen to this next part and pretend for a second, Christians, he's not just talking about your salvation, though that is part of it. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I like the version. It says, I've come to give them life and give it to the full. Overflowing. You feel like your life's overflowing? Do you? You want to know why some of your marriages are so hard? Because you're constantly putting the pressure of your happiness on your spouse. And guess what? They don't make a very good God. Some of you put, you ignore your spouse because you found another God. Work gives you everything you want, right? What do you need a spouse for? They make me feel good. It's not enough. A thief comes only, I'm painting a picture here, and I'll, I'll connect it with you. So there's this implication, right, that everything's meaningless. Then Jesus says this crazy thing, like, listen, if you want life, you got to give up saving it yourself. you got to give up your definition of what life is. Some of you all want to play, right? You want to play both sides. You want to you play in the world, in the domain, and then come back to the kingdom, and you're so confused why you're miserable. You, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, whoever loses his life because of me will find it. And if you lose your life because of me, I'm then going to give you overflowing life. What a weird equation. If you try to save it, you're going to lose it. If you lose it for me, I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more. And I just want to leave because you don't believe me. That's what drives me nuts. It's one thing to struggle with it. You don't believe me. You know how I know? Because if I came down right now and told you to give up your job, your status, your place in, I gotta, I, I don't, I see, I offend people. I want to, though. I want, some of you need offended. You don't think I've noticed your pattern? I'm gonna come to this church for a couple, like a month, then Todd says something that makes me mad. I will leave for three weeks and then I'll come back. I didn't say it, God did. So he says, I will give you life in abundance. Then Matthew 6, we're kind of painting this picture. You try to save it, you're going to lose it. You lose it for me, I'm going to give you more. It may not look like what you thought you were going to have life in. And then he says this, but seek first. The, yeah, this is the section, I confused section. This is the part where he says, don't worry. But listen, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. What were all the things? Your clothes, your money, all of these things. And everybody's like, I know what that means. No, you don't. Me either. That's why God tells us to meditate on his word, because we forget. The seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Follow me, even when it doesn't feel like happiness, it doesn't feel like life. If you will do that, even when you don't feel it, not only will I give you abundant life, I'm going to give you the things you thought you wanted, even if it looks different a little bit. If all you've ever had to drink, right, use a different one. If all you've ever had to eat your entire life are saltine crackers, that's going to sound really good. 
I'm serious. Every time you're hungry, you're going to be like, oh, saltines. That's the best food in the world. That's all I've ever eaten. Imagine from the time you ate solid food till now, all you ever had was saltine crackers in water like soup. You, that's disgusting. You may be like, ew, now imagine. But eventually you'll be like, man, this is food when I'm hungry. All of a sudden then I'm going to come up to you and give you, right, a burger. I'm going to give you a steak. I'm going to give you pizza, whatever your spaghetti, whatever it is. All of a sudden, everything you thought you want pales in comparison to something you never had. But you don't want it enough because you have to. Here's the secret. You know the problem for some of you in your faith? You believe it, but you're not willing to give up that momentary happiness, those little bouts of happiness because, well, God, if I lose it for your sake, what if you don't give me life abundantly? And in that moment, in that question, you understand what faith is. That's what faith is. Will he do what he said he did? It's been five minutes. He's not coming through. How long will you wait? Seeking God, guys. And if you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I'm just going to talk to you. You're in the church Jesus, his life, what he tells you to do, I'm sorry, I know it's hard, I know it doesn't always immediately fulfill you, I know it doesn't feel as good as that warm body at night when you're feeling a little excited, I know it doesn't feel good as that pill, I know it doesn't make you as happy as the claps of the people, or your certificate you get at work, or you know your, your new fiance, or your girlfriend or boyfriend, or your big house, in the moment it doesn't feel better, I get it, I get it, I get it. But that is, now you understand when he said, listen, if you continue to try to save your life, because all of those things are attempts to be your own savior, to be your own provider, to be your own source of joy and happiness in life, right? Aren't you doing that? If I seek these things enough, then I'll be fulfilled. Well, if you're fulfilled, you don't need a savior. The secret, and I don't, I haven't grasped it yet, but I know that it's there is following him in the moments when he says, let go. It might hurt. Sometimes we've held on to something so long that letting go is going to hurt. But the promise is, I'm not going to leave you there, and I will fulfill you, but you won't let go. You won't follow. Remember a few weeks ago, we showed that clip from The, the Chosen, and I love it, and he's, Jesus says, Nicodemus, you were so close. That's some of you. Behind the wall thinking because you've left a little offering of church on Sunday that that's enough. And he's going, you're so close. Follow me. I want to shift gears. Uh, Before I do, I need to define that. It means doing what he says to do and not doing what he says to do. And trusting that even though in the short term it doesn't feel as good as the body, the pill, the bottle, the likes, that it's going to be better. That's why I make fun of people that go to sleep in church. Because you know what, what that tells me? I'm going to make, make fun of you. You know what that tells me? Because you're just checking a box off. You ain't coming for life. If you're real, real thirsty and dying of thirst, and I take you to a well of fresh water, you're not falling asleep. You know why? Because you're diving in knowing you're about to die. Some of you don't view it the same way. Religion doesn't save you either. Check your box off you haven't gotten the point yet that this is life. And now I'm going to mess with you. But 
this, going to church, doing all the right things, checking the boxes off, isn't enough either. And this is where there's two extremes in Christianity today, right, in the world where it's infected us. One is saying, hey, don't follow Jesus. Just do it sometimes and he's going to bless you, right? Healthy, wealthy, and wise, prosperity gospel. If all you got to do is give money and you'll get money. That's heresy. And then you got this other side that says, let me pile these laws and rules on you. And if you do it all right, you're going to be happy. And some of you do that and you're going, man, I'm churching it up pretty good here and I'm still not getting it. I got a different message for you. Same guy, Solomon. Now this is going to mess with some of you. I like it. I just like messing with you. Ryan, you like when I mess with people? Ryan? Yeah, he's like, okay. I know you do because you tell me to say things all the time that offend people. He's the guy that comes up and goes, yo, man, you just got to say it, right? All those times you hear me go, I shouldn't say that. Afterwards, Ryan will come up and go, hey, man, you just got to call people out. Say it. Amen. See, Ryan? You got your first amen, bro. All right. See, you woke up. Yeah. Ecclesiastes 5, starting at verse 18. You got it? Listen to this. This is the same guy. He already said, but Todd, you said, God, God's the way, and, and if I pursue that, I'll be happy. Listen to this. Here is what I have seen to be good. It is appropriate to eat, drink, and experience good in all the labor one does under the sun during the few days of his life God has given him, because that is his reward. God has also given riches and wealth to every man, and he has allowed him to enjoy it. Take this reward and rejoice in his labor. This is a gift of God. For he does not often consider the days of his life, because God keeps him occupied with the joy of his heart. That's a big deal. So remember, he's talking, you're like confused. Good, stay with me. He says here, remember, we got to look at the, the, the whole book as a whole. I might do a study someday. He started by saying meaningless, meaningless. Well, what do we do with that? He's saying, listen, the man who lives his life and enjoys what God has gifted him with doesn't have time to think about how bad life is. Doesn't have time to think about how short life is. Doesn't have time to think about what he doesn't have. If you're living and enjoying what God has given you now, you ain't got no time to think about what you don't have. Amen. Married men. (laughs) Married men. If you enjoy, right, the wife of your youth, and I mean that in every possible way, guess what? You ain't going to have time or energy to be looking other places. Can I say that again? Do I need to spell it out for you? You get what I'm saying? Sexual things are wrong. <laughs> Not in marriage, right? Go read the song of Psalm. He says that. Yo, enjoy that girl, Right? Same with you, ladies, right? If you enjoy what God has given you in whatever capacity I mean, right, you enjoy that body, you ain't got time to be looking for other ones, you're exhausted. Sometimes that's good. Some of you are like, yeah, good, I like it. You got, some dudes in here get it. They're like, I do that, man, good. That's right, you should. But you know religion can mess with that? Religion can make sex within marriage ugly because we've been trained so hard to fight it outside of marriage that we, we throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. Okay? That's not true either. God, now some young people go, well, we created it. I'm going to enjoy it, right? There's a reason you ain't allowed to drive a car at 10. You ain't ready for it. Okay? So, hint, hint, you ain't ready for that ride. Okay? <laughs> Mentally, emotionally, spiritually. 
Girls, I'm going to talk to you, young ladies. Listen, I'm a guy. I was a pretty good guy. True story. Hard to believe. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you this, even with your little boyfriends next to you, and I can say it because they know I'm telling the truth whether they like it or not. The best dudes in the world, they're in a room with you in the dark. Some of you are already smiling. I'm not going to look at you because then I'm going to, you're ratting your, your guy out. In the room, in the dark, I respect you, baby. And then all of a sudden, things are escalating. Have enough value in yourself. If he ain't willing to wait, right, to own the gift before he opens it, he's not worthy of it. He's not worthy of it. And that goes for the kids, and that goes for some of you in the room. If they don't want to own the gift, which means I got to take responsibility, I got to own it, I got to protect it, I got to treasure it, I got to pay for it, right? You get what I mean. (laughs) Take care of it. If I do that, right? If they're not willing to take that, then guess what they're doing? You ready? And I'm sorry, guys. We're not meaning to be sometimes you're being a thief because you've only come to kill and steal and destroy. Because when you walk away, it doesn't affect you like it affects her. That's a promise. And it will affect you too, though. And we blame them, but what do we model? Okay? But, got stuck on that whole sex thing. There's a lot of other things to enjoy too, right? I want you to understand that God gifted you with wealth. Don't you feel bad to enjoy your wealth, to enjoy your hot tub, or to let me enjoy it? (laughs) Don't feel bad about that. Don't feel bad that you drive a nice car if you can afford it, right? I had a lady one time when I, before I started this church, one of my best friend's older sister. She's like sitting older. She's, man, if she ever watches this, you know I love you, Steph, so it's not a bad thing. She thought I was saying she's the wife of a dentist. They're very wealthy. They worked hard for it. They're hard, good people. But I was talking about, like, my heart. It's still up on Facebook. I wrote a note back when those existed. And it talked about, like, my heart for the church, right, the haves and the have-nots. And sometimes we split church based on the haves and the have-nots, right? You ever been there? If you're the haves, you're probably like, what do you mean? If you've ever been the have-nots, you know exactly what I mean. And she said, well, Todd, it's okay to enjoy. She thought I was saying that you can't enjoy that stuff. I said, no, man, you can enjoy it. You should. But it can't be everything. And you can't judge other people based on how much stuff they have. Because Jesus says that. You know why? Because meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless in the big scheme of things. Enjoy your life. Guess what? I'm going to tell you something no one else is going to tell you. It's okay to watch Netflix sometimes. Sometimes. It's okay. This this one, wives, if you stay till the end of what I'm going to say, you'll understand. It's okay, guys, it's okay to play video games. Not 12 hours a day, not at the expense of your family, not at the expense of your child, but it's okay to chill and play and don't let anybody guilt you. It's okay. Again, not in excess, right? Because I'm going to talk about what should trump that. Remember, because following God means loving your wife as yourself. So when you need someone, do you want them to be focused on something else? Did you want a dad that was involved in your life? It's okay to play video games, though. It's okay to hunt. It's okay to go out and suntan. It's okay to have nice clothes. It's okay to like fashion. It's okay to like music. It's okay to enjoy, you know, 
certain tabletop role-playing games. It's okay to enjoy these things. If you don't know what that is, good, right? <laughs> it's okay to enjoy those things. Did you know that? It's okay. In fact, what God tells us through Solomon said, I have given it to you to enjoy. It's okay to enjoy your children, right? You know how many people, and I'm not picking on if you said this because I believe in your heart. You know how many people have come up to me and asked me if I idolize my daughter because I love her and want to play with her and laugh with her? She's 20 months old for one more day, right? You get what I'm saying? God gave her for me to enjoy because someday i got to give her to some other creep, right? <laughs> right? So I'm going to enjoy her, and God made that okay. My life doesn't have to be standing up here preaching to you. Because you don't, you don't make it, you don't listen that well anyway. God gave us that. And so there's a secret here. Yes, we must follow God, but you can follow God and enjoy life. And the world makes you pick one. you got to either enjoy life and not follow God or follow God and not enjoy life. The Bible tells us that's not true. The Bible says, culture war says, pick one. You can only have one. God says, what are you talking about? I made everything good and I made you to enjoy it. Have it. That's why I'm such a proponent. Why do you think Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free? Free of what? Religion and all that garbage that comes with it. The things that make us feel like, because religion can be just as much a thing we seek false life from. Well, I've been on the deacon board for 17 years, and blah, 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 I've never loved a single person, but I am on the deacon board. You think, and then they go before Jesus going, hello, Lord, I let me in, I've been on the deacon board. And he's like, who are you? Or maybe I know you, but you wasted a lot of time. I have a lot of Christians, man. They spend their whole life. I've seen entire sermons about, ah, gosh darn it. You ladies are wearing pants. That still happens. I can't believe it. I'm like, bro, you're wasting out. You barely, they ain't paying attention anyway. You're going to talk about pants? Why don't we talk about killing babies? That's coming. I bet I won't have as many people that day, right? Because, again, if I tell you something's wrong and you experience it, I'm shaming you somehow. I'm not. Just like I told you in marriage, if you've experienced divorce, doesn't mean the marriage you're in now can't be beautiful and covenant and amazing. And it should be. And God wants that. And you should enjoy that. Are you hearing me? Do I have to stay on this? Do you get this verse? Here, <clears throat> Here is... What I have seen to be good, it is appropriate to eat, drink, and experience good in all the labor one does. All that hard work you do, enjoy it. Some of you, you want to know how I know you idolize your life? You work so much, you can't even enjoy it. And you justify it by saying, I'm providing for my family when all they wanted is you to enjoy it with them. And then when you're about to die, hopefully 70 years from now, I wonder how much you're going to go, boy, I am so glad I spent all that time at work. <clears throat> I want to read this to Ecclesiastes 12, 12 through 14. It ends here. Right? It's sort of, a, there's more to it, but you know, he kind of wraps it up. And he says, when all has been heard. Well, I'm going to go be, the verse before that. I didn't give that to you guys, but listen to this verse before it. He, verse 12 says, but beyond these, my son, remember he's given all these things. He says, be warned, there is no end to the making of many books and much study wears the body. This is me. I love to think. I love, right, David, you feel me on this? I love to philosophize and like, 
you know, I love to talk deep and I love to think deep, but sometimes I've found that I can get so wrapped up in that cycle of thinking that I'm depressed. And what I think is interesting is, as he's saying to his son, listen, I've talked about these weighty things, but can I tell you something? Listen, sometimes too much thinking ain't a good thing. Some of you all go, great, that's me. No, you don't think at all. There's a difference. <laughs> listen to what he says then in verse 13. When all is heard, when all has been heard, when everything that I've come to in all my life, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commands because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Jesus has the answer. God has life. Live your life to the full, but be reminded that God is the one who gave it to you. God is the source, right? the perfecter of our faith, of our life. I've noticed that the times when I hate Christianity, and I shouldn't say that because I'm a pastor, when I don't like all this, is because I get caught up in feeling like I'm not doing enough, you know? Or, or saying that I've messed up too much. That's why I, I, I want to preach. A, I, I feel like people say stuff. There's so many things I want to preach on, but you guys have heard it so much that you don't hear it anymore. You're free. I'm free. There's things I want to say that I can't say because it's going to shock some of you, and then your Aunt Edna is going to tell us wrong because you're not ready for this yet. But let me tell you something. In Christ, it's over. I don't bear the burden of my own life anymore, of being my own Savior. God gives life gives purpose. You were made, right? In the very beginning before sin came, he made them in the image of God. Lionheart, and it's convenient. Image bearers. You are image bearers, women, men, kids. You were made in the very image of God. You, out of all creation, not mountains, not stars, not the sun, not lions, not Modi, nothing reflects the glory of God like you. You were meant to shine, and I know some of you, oh, that's corny. Yeah, okay, I'm going to go listen to your Spotify playlist and your tear songs, right? You shine like a star on this earth that points people to the source of light. You were made to do that. But here's the thing, and that's why you can enjoy it. And when we live in communion, in relationship with our creator, we are free to not have to worry about all the garbage and to, to live and to love, but we have to follow him. In everything. Well, Todd, you just said religion. You're not getting it. Religion loses the heart behind it, right? Jesus said there will come a time when people will worship in spirit and in truth. There's some, that's why you guys, you all, I've read it a hundred times. You got, I've read that a thousand. I'm still only getting it this much. There is something about in here, living it out, pursuing him, pursuing perfection, knowing I'm never going to get it. The great dichotomy, another big word, of Christianity. Pursue perfection, but it's okay when you don't because I got you. Be holy as I am holy, but I'll never stop loving you even when you're not. I want you guys to know when we look, like going back to all this is live a life. Living a life for yourself to make yourself feel enough, safe, happy. The pursuit of being your own savior will never satisfy you. It will never satisfy you. Being a good father won't satisfy you. You know, that is the danger of being my daughter. I love her so much. 
But if I made her everything, if I made being a good dad, you all would be like, that's awesome, right? I could be a great dad. You all think I'm great. And then someday when she leaves with that other man, my world crumbles because I've put the weight of my life on her. Her. That was weird. If you live your life yourself to make yourself feel safe, I mean enough, safe, happy, the pursuit of being your own savior won't satisfy you. But ready? If you live a life to glorify God, which is your purpose, and to make others feel enough, safe, happy, and alive, you will find a life, an adventure, and you'll find an overflowing, exciting life. But I'm not being Christianese. It's exciting. It's crazy. It's wild. It makes no flipping sense. He will take you on things that are terrifying, but that's kind of fun, right? That's why you ride roller coasters, those of you who do. You are called to live, not to be in worry, anxiety, fear. You are to live for your God. Ready? I want you. He wants you. Once you put your faith in, follow him. But do you know what else he wants you to do? He wants you to laugh. He wants you to hug people. He wants you to play basketball. He wants you to play flag football, even though Chris, you're too old for that, right? <clears throat> Some of y'all are trying to make me stop living, <clears throat> right? He wants you to play, and he wants you to work. You are meant to work. That's why. Men, particularly, when you're not working, you're like, hate your job, but you're not working, we're miserable, right? And we get all fat and out of shape and miserable and sad and angry and grumpy, right? That's because we're meant for it. You were meant to rule the kingdom, tend the garden. We'll get to that, right? Here's the, you ready for this? Be a light bringer and be a salt shaker. If you do those things, if you live your life saying, I am literally looking for dark places and dark people, I'm about to go bring that light in. Like, if you look for it, it's adventurous. Ooh, right? There's a cave. Ooh, it's scary. I'm going to bring some light in there. Guess what's in there? Crazy treasure. Look at that. That's gross soup. They're really happy in it. I'm about to go pour some salt in it. Shh. Right? I'm going to go melt the ice. I'm going to go do something crazy. When you do that for the kingdom, it's hard. It's tiring. It's wearisome. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to get sad still. But it's life. That's where the good stuff is. So I'm going to give you a list. It's not going to be up here. Why? Because I'm just not good enough to send it to him. But for those, you want the glorious life, right? The glory of God, his man fully alive. You want the glorious life, Brandon? You just want this to be over. Josh, I got two more minutes. I already went late. You good? <coughs> Thank you. One person. <laughs> the glorious life. Ready? Here's the key to a glorious life. Number one, love God and live for him. What does that mean? Well, you just said live for him, follow him. Do you know how much glory it brings him when you choose to follow him when the culture says to go this way? When you look weird for him? Because someday when the king comes home, the world may see a peasant. The world may see a loser. He sees a prince, a co-heir with Christ, a princess, a queen. You are going to rule, right? You are going to, he, he is king of everything, and we're going we're gonna to rule under his, right, under his authority. We're gonna, that's the reality. Narnia, once a king, always a king, right, of Narnia. That's the truth. That's who you are. Live, love God and live for him. Stop living your half-fake life. Stop thinking it's good enough because you follow. Here's my gold. I'm going to hide behind the wall. When he said, follow me, there's no option. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Well, I'll do that when I get older. People changed my life when they were your guys' age because they lived different for Jesus. My tes- their, their testimony affected me. <clears throat> number two, love others. Love people. Okay, I'll feel, no, I want you to take light 
to the dark people. I want you to take light to the blind, right? And that's what God wants you to do. Take light to dark places. Bring them hope. Bring them love. Bring them joy. Bring it to them because they don't have it. Shake some salt into their bland, boring lives. Make them think. Make them wonder why you're different. Be a weirdo in the way that you love people. Quit trying to blend in, man. Everybody teaches kids, stand out. Not stand. And then we get adults and we're like, let's just blend in. Be different. And that looks different generationally. Some of y'all people are like, well, I am old, whatever that is to you, so I am supposed to be stately and calm and do nothing. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay, go shake them old people up. Tell them they're not dead yet. Right? Go tell them they're not dead yet because they're not. <clears throat> what an incredible time to be alive. Bring light to dark places. Live the adventure. Start the camp. Right? Hey, you want this? This is what it is. Right? Pursue the girl. The one you, that, that's good, not the one that's easy. Open yourself up to relationship. Join that league. Have fun. Go to church, not just when you want to. Todd's making me angry. Go to church, you chump. <laughs> See what happens. Commit to it. Quit falling asleep. You wouldn't fall asleep if you're star- like starving in a banquet hall, right? Live your life. Man, I want to say some kinds of crazy things, man. <clears throat> Follow your conscience, but... Follow your conscience, respect people, remember, but hey, get the tattoo, who cares? Right? Live your life. Or exist. What do you want to do? Live the adventure. Guys, I had people tell me, and maybe I always live in the knowledge that tomorrow could be, I could, I could, I could lose this job today because I, I suck. I mean, that's just reality. I do. I, you all going, no, I suck. I know my heart, Okay. I suck. I'm here because he's good. I'm going to do as long as I can. And then when he says I can't anymore, I'm going to cry a long time, and I'll try to find something else to do. If you're hiring, let me know. Anyway, right? But I can tell you this. They told me, hey, guys, I feel like God's calling me, and I got this crazy vision. If you really want to know, I'll tell you, but only if I trust you. Because everybody says, you know, crazy lunatics say they had a vision, right, to kill everybody. It has to follow the Bible. But I had a vision. And I believe God's been faithful in it. And here's the thing. I was scared to death when two people older than me that were in ministry that I said, I think we're supposed to start this church. And they said, nah, nah, let's wait more. Let's wait. Let's wait. We're supposed to pray about it. And I said to them, one of the few times in my life that I feel like I was as brave as I should have been, I said, I don't know what God's calling you to, but I know what he's calling me to, and I'm going to do this. And look what he did. Some of you all don't even get it because you're like, what do you do, man? You got purple chairs. He did some crazy stuff. And he still is. And he used somebody like me, not for my glory, man. How awesome is it that he can use a a punk like me, a sinner like me, and do some incredible things? What's he telling you to do that you're so chicken to do because the world tells you it doesn't make sense? What's the worst that's going to happen? You try to climb that mountain and you fail? You're no different. Fine, you go back down the mountain. But what if you make it? What if that's the goal? Hey, take this stone and kill that giant. Well, what if I don't? Then he's going to get me. But what if you do? Stop living for your job. What if I lose it and they don't give me what I want? Blah, 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 blah. What if they respect you more? What if you have a healthy family? What if your wife and your children, right, grow up respecting and, and admiring you and knowing you love them? 
When I say people are legacy changers, man, do you, I mean that. Some of you all need to accept that that is what God's called you to do, right? Because your natural tendency is going to be to recreate the family structure that you lived in, even if you didn't like it because that's what you were taught. But if you know Jesus, you have the option to do what's comfortable or to do what's right. And I'm talking to me. Okay, number three. Okay, so number one, love God and live for him. Number two, love others. She's going to come up and play some music. Mandy is going to play some music, right? Number three, ready? <clears throat> Luke, you're going to like this one. You look grumpy, but I think you'll like this one because it means you can even work out. Ready? Love life. Enjoy your life. Enjoy it. Enjoy what God's given you. Live free. Don't let anyone tell you that they can take Jesus away from you because they don't like what you're doing. If the Bible doesn't condemn it, if God doesn't say it's a sin, then enjoy it. Live life. Do those three things. Commit to it. Not for one hour, some of you. I did it for 15 minutes. See what he does. Because the culture is going to say, no, 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 no. Here's a quicker way. Here's a quicker way. Here's a quicker way. Some of you all in this room right now who hate your life. Man, I want to call names out. You're too busy scrolling, though. You hate your life because you're living a fake, gross life, and you're wondering, like you're half in. You're not even committing to their way of life, the one that makes you happy. You're not committing to that because you're still kind of doing the church thing. Pick one. You want to go that way? Guess what? You're going to have plenty of company. Wide is the path that leads to destruction, and many will find it. Or you can go with him to the wildlands, to Samaria, to the places where the bad people are. I'm very thankful that some of you good people came to the bad people like me and told me about the light. Because I wasn't good. I remember a Christian guy told a girl I was dating. This dude was like known as the Christian guy. It was right after high school. I'll never, and it's hard because I still got his friend request on Facebook. I ain't accepted it because I'm still mad at him. He told this girl because he liked her. He said, you really want to be a part of a family like that? You want to you be with someone like that? Even when I was good, I wasn't good enough. That's not how Jesus sees it. I know I went long again. I get yelled at both ways. I get yelled at for going long. I get yelled at for talking about going long. It's a, it's a tough road. <clears throat> How's your life? How do you feel when you're laying at bed at night? What are you putting your hope in to bring you life? Are you living for God and others? Do you look for purpose and adventure in the kingdom? Or are you waiting for somebody to give it to you? Or have you put your hope in what the world says isn't enough? See, the problem is when you wait for people to give you that life, when you wait for people to tell you you're good enough, the problem is you're always dependent on that. If that's your gas, when it runs out, you're not going anywhere. People are fickle, man. Up and down. Believe it or not, I joke about people hating me a lot. I've been a prince, too. I've been a pauper and a prince, and I go up and down. And I used to let that crush me. I still do a little, but I ain't going to tell you. It's hard to let that go. But you can't follow God and please people all the time. You can't. Do you look for purpose and adventure in the kingdom, or have you put your hope in what this world says is enough? Let go and really live in the glory of God. Live a life to glorify God. And how do you do that? The glory of God is man and woman fully alive. If you don't know Jesus, here's the simple of it. He existed. The person that tells you didn't and all the dumb people in the world, right? Any intelligent historian 
even those that don't believe will tell you Jesus of Nazareth existed. That's a fact. So if he existed, before we even get to the rest of it, he said, he didn't say, I'm a good person. I'm Buddha. I'm this. He said, I am the way and the truth and the light. No one will come to the Father except through me. I am the gate. I am the way in. I, I am the only way. That's not fair. If the building's burning down right now, and the only exit's here, and I tell you that, how dumb are you to say, that's not fair, there's only one exit. Jesus existed. We messed up. We rejected God, everyone his. Even that good person that judges you rejected God and their own. And when we rejected God, sin entered the world. It's a disease that we can't cure, and it's what caused all that bad stuff, and it's what makes us insecure and makes us look to other things and makes us feel lost. That is what it is. And even though religion tells us how to kind of get rid of some of the symptoms, it doesn't fix it. And we couldn't get our way back to God because he's holy and we're not. We couldn't be in relationship with God. And we know in our hearts we're trying to get back to him, right? Even if we don't believe in him, we're trying to get back to him. And we can't. And when we couldn't, when we couldn't be good enough, because to be with him means you got to be perfect and holy, he came to us. God made flesh. He invaded this earth. And he came and he taught us how to live. Jesus Christ. The God-man came and told us how to live, told us the truth, told us where real life is, and then he did something incredible. He said, there's where life is. It's in relationship with your creator. Great, how do I get there? I'll be the bridge. You can't come to him, but I'll take you there. Every bad thing you did that you deserve punishment for, the hell you deserve, right? Jesus took on the cross. And all you have to do to have life abundantly forever, I don't mean you're going to be happy all the time, but to live and know that if you die tomorrow, you will be in paradise. All you have to do to have it is to believe. And believe shows in the way you live your life. It's not the magic words I'm about to tell you. That's why Paul says, right, it's a beautiful thing, but it's, it's, it's complicated too. He says in Romans 10, if you confess with your lips, if you say it, it doesn't say confess with your lips and you'll be saved. No, confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead. If you do that, you will be saved. Believing means it's going to change the way you live. Maybe not perfectly. Some of you all are like, well, I can't follow him because i got to move out with my girlfriend or my boyfriend. i got to do all these things. And if I do that, I can't give that up yet. Why don't you stop worrying about how you're going to get there and trust him. He'll guide you there. He'll get you where you need to be. That's not the question today. I'm not telling you to stop being sinful because you can't. I'm telling you to turn away from sin, turn away from this world, and put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you do that, and you're going to get the opportunity, well, it's really late, and I'm tired, and I want Taco Bell. Cool, then go live a half-life. Whether you're the person that hasn't been living your life fully in Jesus, and you wonder why, you're going to have a time to respond today in whatever ways it is. There's going to be people up here willing to pray for you, whether that's you, or whether you're the person in the room that you don't know him but you know that little still voice, not the one that says, tell that guy to shut up, I hate him, I want to punch him, not that one. The other one, the little one, the one that says, this is real, I love you, I'm here for you. That is the truth. Respond today. I had to do it. They tricked me. I've told this story before. Raise your hand if you want Jesus. I did it. I thought it was just like, hey, oh, cool, I get it now. And they go, great, now come back behind the dark room, door. Then they prayed and gave me a Bible. That's you. And I feel like I have to say this. If you're married, if you're in a relationship and your significant other isn't ready to do that, don't let that stop you from having life. Don't worry about that. Because you're going to be judged on you and your choices. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in, because if you do, you're choosing to.